But before we get to that, before we get to the hereafter, let's discuss, let's go back a little bit and talk about bitachon, which is trust in God. And the first thing we have to understand is there's no one who loves us as much as Hashem loves us. We have to keep on thinking that thought. <laughs> Nobody loves us as much as Hashem loves us. Not even our parents. So a person has a child, they know how much they love their child. Hashem loves us more than that. Hashem loves us tremendously. No one has mercy on us more than Hashem has mercy on us. This is part of the Bitachon. We have to remember this fundamental. Number one is, remember this fundamental. Number one is, no one loves us. No one loves us as much as Hashem loves us. Number two, no one has mercy on us as much as Hashem has mercy on us. Number three, Hashem does not forget us for one instant. It does not worry. Does not stop worrying about us one instant. Number three. Number four. Hashem cannot be beaten by anyone. He's the top. No one can ever beat him. Hashem is the top. If you're on Hashem's team, you're always winning. Number five. Hashem knows what's good for us. He knows what will fix us. He knows what's the best for us. Number six. There's only one being with us all the time. From the time we're born to the time we die. That's Hashem. There's no one else. Not parents. Not children. Not brothers. Not sisters. Spouses. Hashem is with us from the beginning to the end. And there's no time that we left His control. From from when a person is born to a person dies, up, Hashem is Hashem is with us, and the comforting thing is Hashem is with us even after death, and that's the comforting thing. There's no time where Hashem is not with us. Before we're here in the earth, in the world, after we're gone, Hashem is with us all the time. Hashem is our best friend. We have to re- remember that all the time. That's what David Amelach says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you're with me. Hashem is with us wherever we go. In this world, next world, doesn't make a difference. Hashem is there constantly. So constant presence. <coughs> Number seven. Whatever is for our benefit, it's all in God's hands. And there's no other partnership. There's no partnership. There's no one else who controls us except God. God is in total control of our destinies. And there's no one else to be scared of. We don't have to be scared of anyone else, only Hashem. Number eight. God is goodness personified. There's nothing greater. There's nothing greater in goodness than Hashem. He is the kindest, and the most gentle, and the most kind, and and gracious. And He wants to give us. So a person has to remember these things constantly, because sometimes we forget it. We see troubles in the world. We see pain. We see suffering. We have to remember these things constantly, that Hashem loves us. Hashem wants our good. Hashem is doing this for our good. And that is something which is so so important to remember. <coughs> that it's a halakha and shulchan aruch. I talked a bit about it yesterday. The person can remember. <coughs> Whatever God does, letav avid. He does it for good. For good reasons. God has good reasons to do things. So everything is done by God for reasons of good. It's a famous saying of Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi Akiva was traveling down the road and he had with him three things. What are the three things? His rooster, 
his donkey, and his candle. And he came to a town, it was already late at night, knocks on the door, let me in, who is it? Rabbi Kiva. He said, sorry, we can't see you, we can't open the door. We have instructions, don't open the door for anyone. So what does he say? He's stuck over there, there's nowhere to go. It's in the wilderness outside. He says, whatever God does is for good. He goes into the forest, he's trying to learn Torah with his candle, candle, the wind comes, no candle. Okay, whatever God does for the good. A fox comes, eats his chicken, his rooster. Whatever God does for the good. The lion comes, eats his donkey. Whatever God does for the good. Tries to go to sleep. In the middle of the night, he is screaming, crying, shouting, banging, boom. What's going on here? No. In the morning, he wakes up and he goes to the town. He sees that the robbers, the bandits came and took over the whole town. Took everyone away as slaves. He says, whatever God does is for the good. They would have seen my light. They would have got me. They would have hurt my donkey or my rooster. They would have got me. So now I know why Hashem did this to me. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know why Hashem is doing these things for us. But we have to have trust in Hashem. Whatever Hashem does is for the good. We have what to know. about the horrible stories? Right. So that's we have to read. How do you say it's for good? Everything is for the good. Okay. We can only see one side of the clip. That's the problem. We only see this world. We don't see the next world. We don't see the soul. Children who died in a fire because an ember was put in We don't see, I'm just telling you, we don't see, we don't see the whole picture. We can't see the whole picture. We can only see part of the picture. And we only see part of the picture. We don't see the other part of the picture. So that's the whole thing. We're blind. We have to realize we are blind in this world. We're blind. We're walking around one-dimensionally. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. That's what Aaron Akoin, that's how role model. Aaron Akoin, what is Aaron Akoin's? He lost two sons in the sanctuary, burnt to death in the sanctuary. What is his response? What is his response? By Dom Aaron. What do you think he was doing? He was saying in his head all the time. Whatever the God does for the good. I remember, <laughs> he's having a rabbi in yeshiva. He says, he says, you don't know what it was like in the 40s and the 50s in Israel, being a rabbi. He says, there was no money. I was learning in yeshiva, there was nothing. I would go home, and my wife would be starving. Honestly, we're, st- we're living in poverty, tremendous poverty. And I just repeated myself all the time. El emet, Moshe emet, Torah emet. God is true, Moses is true, and the Torah is true. <laughs> that was his response. So we have to strengthen our faith. The person with faith, and then he survives, and then he became, you know, very well off. But a person has to have solid faith and Muna, that's the key. We have to work on ourselves. And it's very hard. Sometimes things go adversely, some go sometimes a person's gotta keep quiet, accept whatever God does. And there's an interesting halakha in the Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch says, just like a person blesses God for good things, we have to bless God for bad things as well. What are you talking about? Yes. A person's gotta bless God for bad things as well. And the blessing is Baruch Dayan Ahmed. You know, God is the true judge. But the truth is that nothing from God is bad. We just see it as bad. We perceive it as bad. Right? But really, in essence, God wants us for the best. God wants our long term good. So every short term, it may be something bad. But something bad can always turn into something good. Let me give you an example. I'll give you a short example. Some examples. In history, you find there were tremendous pogroms in Russia in the 1800s the Tsar and whatever. So what happened? A lot of Jews came here. So, 
So now the guys who were leaving didn't think it was very good. You know, pogroms are not very good, but but it made them move to America, and then they realized that move helped them save them from the Holocaust. So we don't know what's going on in God's world. Sometimes we see bad things, but eventually the bad things, without the bad, there wouldn't be any good after it. The exile into Egypt was terrible. It says without exile, we wouldn't be able to get the Torah. Because everything has a function. There's a long-term plan. Hashem has a long-term plan. Our plans are very short-term. We're just worried about now. Now I'm in pain. Right? person has to go for surgery. Right? I'm in pain. But eventually, if I was going to look long pain, this surgery is going to help me live longer. So it's a longer it process. So same thing in the next world. We don't realize that there's a, this world and the next world. So a person is in pain in this world for the sake of getting a long life in the next world. But Hashem wants our maximum good. We have to think of these things all the time. It's so critical to write this down and think of them and focus on them all the time. Um, that Hashem is the one of pure goodness. And I was talking about yesterday about the difference between the two greats. Yaakov and Yosef. Jacob. Our forefather Jacob is punished severely. What do you mean he's punished severely? The rabbi said he lost 33 years of his life. How did he lose 33 years of his life? How long did Jacob live? 147. How long did Isaac live? Hundred and eighty. That's high. We get high. Ten times high. And Abraham lived only one seventy-five. Abraham lived one seventy-five. The rabbis say one seventy-five. Why did Abraham? He was also meant to live one eighty. He lost five years of his life. Why? Hashem said, "I don't want him to see Esau doing bad. His grandson should be doing bad." So it's better I take him now. Imagine, look at God's, uh, this is Russian. Look at God's consideration for Abraham. So really, Abraham's going to live another five years. But you know what? Since he's going to get so hurt by seeing Esau doing such bad things, I'd rather take him now. I, I want to spare him. Man, look at this consideration. Look at the love God had for Abraham. I don't want Abraham to see his grandson doing these things. I don't want him to feel the pain. It's a very strange choice, right? What would you rather have? See the pain of your grandson or to go before the grandson? <coughs> so it's uh, interesting. So God says, I'll take him now. It's five years he lost. Isaac lives for 180 years. He can't see. He's blind. It's like he's dead. So he can't see his son doing all these things. He doesn't see it. It's interesting. Even though you heard about them, when you hear about something, it's not the same as seeing something. It's interesting. It doesn't leave the same impact on a person. So he couldn't see it. It didn't really affect him as much. So he lived a full 180 years. Jacob dies at 147, lost 33 years of his life. Why? He complained to Pharaoh. But you know what? It's less than 33. That's a Vundagon's question. The complaint is less than 33. He says you have to add Pharaoh's question to him. <coughs> Pharaoh says, How old are you? He said he's being punished for looking old. What does that mean? He let all his worries affect him and were etched into his face. All the lines of worry were etched into his face. The Vulgar says he was punished for that as well. He lost years of his life for the worry etched into his face. Where's this bitachon? Where is his trust in God? Where's your faith in God? You mustn't let the worry eat you up. A person's going to have faith in God. A person's going to have a nice, good night's sleep, even though they're worried. That shows faith in God. It's very hard to do that, by the way. You're worried about something, you can't sleep. But a person who has bitachon in God will sleep like a baby every day. What's the problem? So maybe that's why we don't live to 180 now because we think of everything. I thought the righteous actually die, get to know what goes on in the world. 
so someone righteous like who you're talking about was taken so he wouldn't see some negative things, well, wouldn't he be aware because he is such a high level, you know, after he dies? You're right, but apparently it doesn't affect the person as much as it does in this world. It would affect him much more over here. That's what, that, apparently that's what the case is. Over there there's many distractions. Uh, you're next to Hashem, you're getting the pleasure of the Shekhinah, you know. So, but it's interesting to think about it. Yaakov Avinu, I mean, he had so much troubles in his world, but he shouldn't complain about it. Because the troubles, the person's going to realize all the troubles are for his benefit. And the Midrash says, whatever trouble he had, Hashem fixed the trouble. Right? So he had trouble with his brother Esav. He sees Hashem on the ladder, right? Don't worry, I'm going to protect you. What are you worried about? Yaakov! If we could see Hashem on the ladder, boy, we won't worry the rest of our lives. I wish we could see that dream. Can you imagine? See the angels going up and down. It's a very spiritual dream. See Hashem over there saying, give him a bracha. I'm going to protect you, Yaakov. But it seems Yaakov had this phobia. It's a phobia, kind of phobia. that Esau's on my back. Now Lavan. Everything in life becomes a problem. Now some people are like that. Everything in life becomes a problem. Everything in life is a big difficulty. And then when we look back, we'll say, hey, it wasn't such a bad life after all. I mean, he lived a long life. He had many children. Thank God they all studied him. All his children became studied him. So, why did he worry so much? That's, that's exactly what the point. The point is he shouldn't have worried so much. He shouldn't. Let's worry. And that's a lesson to us, really. On the other hand, look at Yosef. Okay, did Yosef have a better life than Yaakov? Yaakov only had to contend with one brother's hate. Yosef had ten brothers who hated him. Who's worse off? One brother hating you or ten brothers hating you? Well, I don't know. Because one Esau may be worth ten, ten others. I don't know. I mean, but uh, in both cases, they both caused their own problems. Yaakov tricked his brother, tricked his father. And Yosef tricked his... He didn't really trick him. He told his dreams to his brothers. He was rubbing it in to spoke Lashon HaRab about them, other things. But here you see Yosef's attitude was totally the opposite of Yaakov's. Yosef doesn't complain. He's in the pit. He's screaming for help. He's in Egypt. We don't hear any complaints from Yosef. We don't hear him complaining against God. Or people saying, hey, you look so old. They say, no, you look so young. You look spectacular. He looks spectacular, Yosef. No complaints from Yosef. Totally different perspective. And at the end of the parasha, we find the brothers come to Yosef. They say, they told a lie, actually. Rashi says they told a lie. You're, they first sent a messenger. Your father commanded that you forgive us before after we live together in peace. You forgive us. And uh, then they come and they bow down to him. Please forgive us what we did to you. And what is Yosef's response? He starts crying. Bitterly cries. Why was he crying? He was crying because they suspected him. Of number one, Ram, Ramban says, because they suspected him of, of speaking Lashanara to their father, that the father would have known what they did to him. Right? The father has to command them to forgive him. That they have commanded him to forgive them implies that he, they knew, he knew, the father knew about it. He never told the father anything. They suspected him of Lashanara. They suspected him of bearing a grudge. He was crying because they suspected him of being evil. That's why he was crying. He was crying of suspicion. But he didn't have a single complaint. He said, listen, you guys intended to do bad. Hashem made it good. Interesting. Interesting perspective on life. Very healthy perspective on life. What's the healthiest perspective on life? Is a person can say to someone else who did really bad things to him, 
I don't bear a grudge against you a bit. Because you intended things to be bad, and Hashem's in control. I'm not worried about what you do. You're like a fly on the ointment. You're just flying around. You're doing whatever you want. Whatever you do, Hashem is going to make it good. I don't care. It's an amazing perspective. It's a very healthy perspective. This way there's no grudges. Right? There's no ill feeling. There's no ulcers. I, who, are you in control? There's a controller. I'm not worried about you. You can play your chess moves. And there's a master chess player playing his chess moves. I'm not worried about you. So that's how, that's how we should model ourselves. That's really the lesson of the Barashah. Don't be like Yaakov. Don't be a warrior. Don't be a griever. Don't mourn excessively. He was mourning for the irony of that was he was mourning for Yosef for 22 years. Rashi says he lost his prophecy. If he wouldn't have mourned so much, he would have been, had prophecy. And if he had prophecy, you know his, his son is still alive. It's a, a vicious cycle. Come on, look at the vicious cycle. His worry and his pain caused him to lose his, his prophecy. And the fact he lost his prophecy made his worry and pain even more. Because if he had his prophecy back, he'd have known his son is alive. Amazing. So sometimes we're our worst enemies. By the lack of bitachon, we cause a vicious cycle in our lives. A person could lose their self-esteem. Imagine if Yosef lost his self-esteem. Can you tell me what my dream means? What does Yosef say? Not me, Hashem. <laughs> it's a, you can imagine, you go for a job, and the guy says, can you do this job? It's not me, it's Hashem. <laughs> say, would you be hired? I don't know, would he hire you? But that's uh, self-esteem. A person shouldn't lose their self-esteem. A person's got, uh, got to realize Hashem is in control and this guy's like a fly. He can hurt me, but he's like a fly. He can't do anything to me. It's all God. Okay. So, but a person's going to try their best as they have their shtadlut factor as well. So it's interesting. So we find Yaakov Sometimes, you know, we, we all fail for certain moments in our lives. All his life, Yaakov Vinu was happy, and he had trust in God. But sometimes he came out with outbursts. He tells his sons, Why do you trouble me? Why do you have to tell him he had, he had a, another, son, another son called Binyamin? Why do you have to tell him? They, don't, they didn't do it on purpose. They said, what can we do? The man asked us. But he bursts out. He lashes out his sons. Why do you tell them? Do you see a he lost his bitachon for that second. He tells Paro, few and evil are the days of my life. Boy, it's like a complaint against God. So I supposed to be careful not to complain. Never complain. No one likes complainers. I don't know if you, you know that concept. People don't like complainers. People want to be around cheerful people. Hashem is the same thing. Hashem doesn't like complainers. <laughs> don't complain against Hashem's world. Uh, the Arizal says a blessing triggers blessings. When we bless God, when we thank God, we trigger more blessings in the world. When we complain, we trigger more complaints. It's a vicious cycle. So it's very important. Bitachon is very key. That person, you know, even if this world doesn't go well, we always have another world to look for. Listen, we got comfort over here. There's comfort for us. That's a famous story. It says one of the Lubavitcher Rebbe's was caught in Russia for teaching Torah. They put a gun to his head. Sign the paper and you'll never teach Torah again. Sorry? But the, the, the person who put the gun to his head was amazed. He says, why? Normally put a gun to someone's head, they're, they're shivering. They start shivering. This guy wasn't shivering at all. He says, Rabbi, he says, you're not scared. He says, you only have one bullet and I have two worlds. You have one bullet and I have two lives. 
<laughs> Why scared? It's a great... Yeah. Why are we scared? But most of us don't live at that level. Well, we have to try to. <laughs> You're right. You're right, 100%. You're right. We don't, but something to aspire to and something we have to learn. That's what the Torah is teaching us over here. That Yosef went through these agonies. He was alone. Can you imagine? He was alone in Egypt for 22 years. And even when his children, even his brothers came and his father was there, he tried to keep away from them. Why are you trying to keep away from them? He didn't want Yaakov to know the story. He knows. He couldn't even talk to his father. He tried to keep away from his father. As Ramban says, because he didn't want to say the Lashon Ara. 17 years for his father, his beloved father, he loved so much, he didn't want to be alone with his father. So his father would say, huh? Yasef, what happened? How come you never wrote to me? How come you never told me anything? What happened to you? When I sent you, what happened from that day on? He didn't want to tell him. <coughs> so we see over here the difference in bitachon, the importance of being cheerful, importance of uh, reacting in a positive way to life. Whatever God deals with us, the cards that God deals with it's interesting sometimes. Because we've dealt very strange cards. And we have to know how to deal with the cards. And we have to practice. And that's why we say Shema Yisrael every single day. Why do we say Shema Yisrael every day? So we have to practice. When the time comes, we have to know. Hashem Echad, there's only one God. That's, it. that's all we have. That's what a person can take with us. The only thing we can take with us in the next world is... God. Nothing physical. All we can take is our belief in Hashem. That's it. We can take our belief in Hashem. We take our good deeds, the values of the good deeds. That's all we can take. Can't take anything else. <coughs> so that's it. We have to take our belief with us. And that belief is just, just saying Shema Yisrael before a person goes. That could be worth the whole life. I don't know how important it is. Just practice every day for the last final moment. Because it's very important to say that. Last final moment. And to, to pass away on Echad. A person should pass away on Echad. God is very critical. God is one. I believe in one God, that's it. And have that in one's thoughts all the time. Uh, train ourselves from now. We have to train ourselves. Okay. And then we said, end of last week's class, we said that with all a person's good deeds, a person has to know that to merit the next world is also grace. A person merits, good, merits the next world because of grace, God's grace. In addition to the merit of acting righteously and the merit of heartfelt, enduring faith and patient submission to the will of God. A person has to also, the second condition is, the reward is only accorded to human being as a mark of God's grace, generosity and goodness. This is very important. So imagine, a person says, you know, I did all these good things, I'm definitely going to go to the next world. I said, ah, one second. You didn't believe in my grace. So it's not good to think a person. A person should never think I'm worthy. I'm worthy. I'm worthy. I'm worthy. A person think I'm not worthy, but I gotta pray to God for grace. I I need grace, like Moshe Rabbeinu does to go to Israel. I'm not worthy, but maybe that's what that's really what the whole parasha is teaching us. Vayichanan is that a person should never feel like I'm worthy, because that is that's kind of pride. I'm worthy. I did. I succeeded. Who knows what a person did? Who knows what a person succeeded? Who knows? Only God knows. So we have to trust in God's grace. We trust that God is good. Hashem, in His mercy and His grace, will accept us into the next world. We have to trust. And that's also a tremendous merit for us. And the same thing applies before Rosh Hashanah. It says the belief in God's kindness is the merit that pushes us over the edge in Rosh Hashanah. 
the merit the person believes Hashem will judge us favorably because Hashem is good. Hashem is Rahman, he's he's merciful. God is Hanun, he's he's kind and graceful. That's the only time that's the only reason we have merit to be to be rewarded on Rosh Hashanah. And the same thing in the next world. That's what he's telling us over here. So in other words, according to Rambam, it's very clear, crystal clear. It's 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 clear. You're a righteous person, you do more good than bad, and you go to the Lamba. That's it. Rabchova Lava doesn't agree. He says there's another element over here. There's an element of grace. Even though a person is good, more good than bad, he has to believe in God's grace. That's one of the 30 principles of faith. The second condition is the recognition of the reward is only according to a human being as a mark of God's grace, generosity, and goodness. The reason is, now let's see the reason for that. Why do we need God's grace? If I, did, if I was righteous, why do I need God's grace? A human being's good deeds, even if they were numerous as the sands on the seashore, they would be outweighed by a single one of the blessed Creator's benefits bestowed upon us in this world. What does that mean? The fact that we're alive is worth all the mitzvot we ever did in our lives, put together, plus. The goodness that God did by creating us, and we don't really appreciate creation, that's our problem. Our biggest problem is we don't appreciate being alive. I see today suicides. People don't appreciate being alive. They don't. They don't appreciate. You know, people don't appreciate life. Well, actually, my brother's stepdaughter is taking a class at Brown, and the philosophy teacher taught them that she can be mad at her parents for willing life upon her. Exactly. That's the total opposite of Jewish thing. conclusion of right. this class. Good. I'm glad. You know why? It just shows. We say every, every, every Saturday night. Blessed is God who separates between holiness and unholiness. You just proved the point. There's holiness and unholiness. Holiness is, the Shulchan Aruch says, you have to honor your father even though he created a mamzer. Imagine. Right. Even though I'm a mamzer, he created me, I'm a mamzer, I have to honor him. He, he committed adultery and I have to honor him, my father. Even though I'm a mom's there, I have to bear the stigma of his creation. Even my father's the biggest abuser, and he left me at a very young age. I'm not allowed to hurt him. It's a, it's a tremendous difference. Why? Because he gave me the gift of life. We have to acknowledge just the gift of life. The life, the life is so important. We owe Hashem so much just for creating us. We don't for just to give us that chance. <laughs> so you got to tell you, tell her. The rabbi says the total opposite. That we owe our parents of being born. Uh, the Shukran goes. <laughs> 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 she feels different. Uh, <laughs> you think this is funny? Don't the the. Alright. That's good. So that's that's the irony today. I mean, there's so many people are so messed up because they blame their parents for everything. But why not thank the parents? Where do we see this? Why are we call Jews? Who is Yehuda? Who thanks Hashem? Leah. We're called Jews because Yehuda had a very special name. The word Yehuda comes from the word Lehodot, which is to thank or to acknowledge, which was the first word in the morning we thank Hashem. Mode, first word a Jew should say in the morning. Mode, thank you. Oh, well, that's a hard word to say early in the morning. I don't know about you. <laughs> you wake up and I go, oh, God. 
It's the hardest word in the world to say early in the morning. Thank you. What? Thank you for what? I can't barely wake up at 6 o'clock. God. Get a struggle out of bed in this cold weather. Oh, God. Okay, so more day. Thank. That's, that, that's really, that should be the defining factor of who's a Jew. If you're willing to thank, you're a Jew. If you're not willing to thank, you're not Jewish. Why? Because the definition of Yehuda was, Leah thanks God. Now, what did she thank God for? Think about it. She was hated by her husband. Well, she wasn't really hated. He loved her, but not as much as he loved Rachel. She felt hated. Right? She had weak eyes. Why did she have weak eyes? Because she was crying that she didn't want she wanted to marry Yaakov, she wanted to marry Leah, uh, Esav. So now she's thanking God for a lot. What's a lot? I don't know, if you were a wife in that situation, don't, don't answer that question. Would you be thanking Hashem? You know, I'm, I'm number two in the in the wife, in the hierarchy. He doesn't appreciate me. He doesn't want me. He never wanted me in the first place. But here she's thanking God for what? Oh, children. So, how many people thank God for children? I don't know. In this world, we're taught that children are a burden. American society, children are a burden. We want to minimize as many children as we can. It became a Jewish thing. Unfortunately, it's tragic. If Jews have more than 1.7, I think that's the rate, to just to keep the birth rate enough to replenish the world, it's 2.3. Jews have 1.7 outside Israel. 2.3 is just to, to maintain that. I don't know how you have 2.3 children, but, <laughs> but that's, the, that's the minimum to just keep the world going. 2.3. The Jews are 1.7 outside Israel. In Israel, I think it's 2.7. Israel's a little bit more hope. The hope for the Jewish people is Israel. Because outside Israel, there's not much hope. The, the intermarriage rates in America are now 56%. We're talking about 50. We're talking about 50. It's 56. In Europe, it's like 53. In England, it's like 53%. So, why is it? And the answer is, we're not thankful. We're not thankful being created. We're not thankful being Jewish. We're not thank- we have to be thankful. Thank Hashem. A million times. Every morning, a person is going to be grateful. I'm here. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I can do mitzvot. I can serve Hashem. I can praise Hashem. And something which we have to thank Hashem for. We have to thank Hashem for creating us. So that's very hard to imagine. You know, think about it. The person says, you know, I'm doing a mitzvah. I'm, I'm paying God back. He's, what he's saying is, if you pay God back all your life, you didn't even pay him for one thing he did to you. We just don't appreciate being created. So that's what he's saying. It's interesting. This is fascinating because no one else brings this down. This is the whole level of what Rambam doesn't bring this down. This idea is the human beings' good deeds were numerous as the sands on the seashore. They'll be outweighed by a single one of the blessed Creator's benefits bestowed upon him in this world. All the more so if he committed a sin. Because there's one sin, you rebel against God. Hashem should say, "I created you, rebel against me. I'm just erasing you from my book." <laughs> Uh, today, you know, you're on a computer, you just press delete. I'm going to delete you. <laughs> delete. <laughs> God. It's so easy to be, it's so easy to be God, right? Huh? Imagine if, if we were God, well, we'd be deleting a lot of people. Uh, God, <laughs> God, God, God. Delete. I don't have a computer. <laughs> Time to get one. Get a smartphone. <laughs> you won't need a computer. Okay. If God would hold a person strictly to account in demanding gratitude for his beneficence, a person's good work would be reduced to nothingness, completely vanished, being overwhelmed by the Creator's smallest favor to him. 
by. Hence, hence, the reward the Creator renders the human being for this good deed is to be regarded as a mark of divine grace. That's amazing. So the fact that Hashem rewards us, that's grace. You don't really deserve anything. If, some, if you hire a worker to work for you and he does his job, what are you going to reward him? You're paying him. So he's saying is that Hashem paid us. When did Hashem pay us? He created us. That's more, more payment than necessary. Because if we wouldn't be created, we wouldn't have any opportunities at all. That's something we don't appreciate. We don't appreciate this enough. And that we have to stressing. The meaning of a Jew is to praise. The meaning of a Jew is to thank. That's what a Jew means. Thank, admit, thank, admit. That's a Jew. Yes. Right. Because we find there's a whole bunch of laws in Jewish law called married ayin. What's that? Which is, a person shouldn't be suspected by anyone. A person shouldn't, should be above board. A person shouldn't be suspect by anyone. A person should be above board. Do things in the without suspicion. People shouldn't suspect you. That's really why Yosef's cried in the parasha. Yosef's crying because they're suspecting him. So there's something wrong with him. He didn't. He didn't do things in above board. He didn't behave in the right way. Because for someone to suspect you, that means you're something suspicious. You're there's something suspicious about you. People don't well, he feel. He should have told the brothers. You know, I never was alone with Yaakov. I never told him about what happened. I don't know. I don't know what he should have done, but he should have acted in a certain way. Obviously, his his behavior over a certain course of time caused them to be suspicious of him. They didn't trust him. So his behavior when he was 17 years old. That's where the behaviors that caused all this trouble. And left an impart, left an indelible mark on them. He's still the same Yosef, who's still scheming against us from that age. He hasn't changed one bit. I mean, so therefore, something he did caused them to suspect him later on. So maybe that's why he cried. That's his teshuva. That was his teshuva. But again, we have to try and be as much above board as possible, that the people should not suspect us of anything. Did the brothers ever tell him what story they told Yosef, told uh, Yaakov? No. We don't find that. Well, they did tell, they till tell Yosef, is one brother is gone. He's not here anymore. They didn't tell him why he's gone. But when they were talking amongst themselves in front of him, Reuben is telling them, I told you we shouldn't have done this and we didn't listen to the cries of our brother. And they were crying. And they were, you know, he's rebuking them in front of him. He didn't know. <laughs> Joseph's right there listening. So uh, they, he heard that Shushuva. He heard them doing the Shuva. That, that's why he was he was able to trust them later on. But they didn't see his Shuva. So the other reason he couldn't be alone with Yaakov was he never knew what story they told him. So I'm sure he knew he found out. I'm sure he knew that Yaakov was telling him, you know, I heard you this, I saw your code, da 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 da. Okay. Because he found out from the brothers that the, the father thought that he was dead. They said, you know, and the father thought, you know, and they, he lost one son, now he's going to lose another son. So anyway, so, this is a very interesting concept over here, that we have to give so much gratitude to God, 
the fact that God gives us reward, that's above anything. That's above anything. And punishment, therefore, is in accordance with truth and justice. However, reward is total mercy. And, uh, okay, so that's very important. Now we come to another reason the Torah does not talk about hereafter. It's a practice of goodness is of two kinds. Now we come to your point, a little bit close to your point. There's two kinds of goodness that we do. One of these is concealed. No one can see it but God. And that is called duties of the heart. What we're reading is duties of the heart. What are duties of the heart? Things like bitachon. No one can see person's bitachon. No one knows what's going on in someone's mind. No one knows the person's thinking of God or someone's thinking of something really bad. No one knows. You know, just something really funny happened to me right today, this morning. So I was talking uh, about, I said, you know, tonight we have Mincha at 425. So a guy was writing on a piece of paper, 425. Okay. Looks good, right? Right? Looks good? So someone next to him says, so you want to come, 425? No, he says, I'm, I'm doing the pick three lottery. <laughs> the rabbi said 425 is a good number. <laughs> Think about that. Oh it's cute, cute almost. It just shows you never know what's in a person's head. He has good attention, so he thinks if you said it, it's good. That's right. Okay. Okay, listen, okay, it's great. I'm just saying, you'll never know what's in a person's head. I'm just telling you. It's like you're being as I'll tell you, guys. This is wild. Number you have to be here. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, listen. Okay. okay, we're going to stop here. So it's impossible to know. There's two kinds of goodness. One is the revealed, one is the secret. The secret one counts more than the revealed. Usually. Okay, we'll stop here. Continue next week. Question with Saul. Yes. Is Saul the one here or the other?